This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. We're going to talk tonight about the authority of the believer, but we're going to talk about the superpower of words. Amen? So if you have your Bibles, you ought to know where you're going. You're going to Genesis chapter 1. I mean, if you're going to start something, you might as well start where it starts. Amen. Father, thank you for every person watching tonight, listening, maybe traveling, wherever they are. Folks, of course, here in the room with us, Lord, we thank you for the word. We never take this for granted. We should and we should always be thankful, Lord, that we live in a place where we can publicly proclaim your word. That has been in jeopardy. There are a lot of things that have changed in our world, but we're thankful to live in this country now where we can still preach the word of God. And Father, we are attentive now. We don't want to think about anything about later, tomorrow, next week, Lord. All of our attention now focuses on the word. Father, I submit myself to you to speak it and preach it accurately so folks can hear it and receive it and their lives will be changed and bettered for it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people shout it. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to read once again from verses 26 through 28 in the New Living Translation. God has restored the earth at this time. He's restored everything back into order. That, of course, we covered that in a couple of sermons in the middle of this and gave you a little more information so you can understand that better. And in this particular instance, now, there probably was some type of civilization down here before Adam and Eve, although they certainly did not look like Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve were made in a very specific way. People have asked me before, do you believe there were ever cavemen? I don't know. I, don't, I know this much. We didn't evolve from them. We certainly didn't evolve from apes and we didn't evolve from some puddle that the, that, you know, that the sun shined on one day and then all of a sudden it moved around and a little amoeba formed in there and it started going around and it got a little tail on it and it climbed up out of the water and the tail fell off and so, no, no, we didn't come from any of that stuff. Amen. But in this instance, we see God putting this earth in order in a particular way and so we're going to read in verse 26 and trust me, we will get into some new area tonight so stay with me. Then God said, let us make a man, I love this next part in the New Living Translation, someone like ourselves, someone like ourselves. So God said, we're not going to make a a being that is, is totally different from us. As a matter of fact, we want to make one, someone like us, and he's talking about himself the Son, Jesus, who is with him, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And let's, let, let us make someone like ourselves to be the master of all life upon the earth. Everyone say all. All life upon the earth and in the skies and in the seas. So God made man like his maker. 
So God made a being uh, that would be just like him, that had total command over everything on this planet. Total, everyone say total command. Like God, so verse 27, so God made man like his maker, like God did, did God make man, man and made did he make them, meaning man and woman. Now, and verse 28, and God blessed them. Everyone say them. So it was not just Adam, was not just the man, the male person, who was giving, uh, the Amplified Bible says complete authority, right here we're reading it a little differently, but it wasn't just Adam that was given complete authority over this planet, it was Adam and Eve, of course her name was Adam in the beginning, and we covered that in one session, I had three people text me and say, I've never heard that in my life, I said, yeah, but it's right there in the Bible, isn't it? Isn't it amazing that it's right there in the Bible? All right, let's read some more here. And God blessed them and told them, multiply. And I've always said that that is one commandment that even unbelievers completely believe in. Multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now, this is what God is saying. God creates a, a male and a female just like him. Someone just like him gives them complete authority over everything on the planet. Everything, and then God does something else powerful. The Bible says, and listen, we discount this. God bless them. Everyone say, God bless them. So not only did they have complete authority over everything on the planet, they also had the blessing of God on them. Verse 28, and God blessed them and told them, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. You are masters. Here's what he told them. You are masters of the fish and the birds and all the animals. And again, he told them to subdue the earth. One translation says to have rule over all or have again, like we mentioned earlier, complete control. Now, I'm saying all that to restate something because we're going to go into something a little different tonight in a little while. But I'm saying all this because it's important that we see how God said you are in control of everything. But when you see that God did not give man the ability to fly, did he? God didn't give him the speed of the flash. If you know anything about your superheroes, right? God didn't give him a special armor that he could fly and he had Jarvis talking to him, a computer telling him what to do next, did he? So how in the world is... God gives man complete control over the planet, but what good is that if you don't have any superhuman physical abilities? How in the world are you going to control all of it if God didn't give you a superpower? Well, we found out God did give them a superpower. And the superpower God gave them is words. Go back to Genesis 1. Let's look at this again. And at the very first verse, I want to remind you one more time quickly, we're setting the table here. In the beginning, and I, I just want to mention that this is more likely our beginning than the beginning because from everlasting to everlasting, God is God. God in reality has no beginning. I know it's hard for our finite brain to comprehend that, but it's truth. In the beginning, God created, or bara is the word, created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was, that is the word that became, that's the word became. The earth became without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. So darkness, God created everything perfectly. Chaos came on this planet. We studied it in the other sessions. I'm not going to go back to it. You need to get all of these sessions. Chaos came and God had to restore 
order. God had to restore order. And I want you to notice again, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters because there was a flood before Noah's flood and water was already covering on the earth. But notice this, the Spirit of God moved on the earth, but nothing happened. Now this is critical. I want you to stay with me because I'm going to take you somewhere, you know, but you got to stay with me. It's critical to hear this. God, this is God now. And his spirit is moving, but nothing is changing. Even though his spirit is moving, nothing is changing. And it doesn't change till we get to verse 3. And God said, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then in verse 4, and God saw the light and so on and so forth. And we've read the rest of it. So I want you to notice here that God himself... Even though his spirit is powerful, even though God is God, God chose an avenue in, in the, in a, that this earth would respond to. He chose the avenue of words. And God, so God, we could say this, he certainly had the superpower of words. When he said something, things changed. But then in the same chapter, we read just a little while ago in verses 26 through 28, when God made man and woman in his image just like him, he gave them that superpower. Now, whether you realize it or not, and I know that you do, but, but for the sake of new people that may be coming along with us, or just so that we, I, wanted, I want this to get down in your spirit. I want to get it past your head. I want to get it past your mind. I want to get it past your brain. I want to get it in your spirit. That you have a superpower. No, you can't fly. No, you can't run faster than anybody else. And you can't do all the stuff that the... But you have another... You have a superpower. It's called the superpower of words. Can you shout amen? Now go to Hebrews 11. I want to tie this together a little bit differently tonight so you can see it in hopefully even a different light or maybe a better light. Uh, but I think this is going to help you. Amen. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is a substance, but it is first, it, you can't see it, but it is a substance. Now, they did an experiment way back in the 50s over at Oak Ridge. I pass by Oak Ridge a lot because we have a cabin in East Tennessee, so we pass by that area quite a bit. But they did a, I remember reading this in science class in, in, in school when I was a little kid. They did a, 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 an experiment where they took a pencil and they put it into a device and they sped it up so fast that it literally disappeared. Because the atoms, the thing that made it bond and made it visible and made it where you could see it with the eye and made it, made it a substance, when, when those molecules were, were sped up enough, it caused it to disappear. And, but it was there the whole time, it just wasn't visible. And then when they slowed it back down, there was that pencil which had been there the whole time, but, but, but the molecules had, had come back together. Are, are, you, are you see what I'm saying? So I want you to understand that faith is really, faith is a substance. It's not something imaginary. It's not just something in your mind or in your brain. 
Faith is literally a substance, but notice it says the evidence of things not seen. Now we're going somewhere with this. Keep reading. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. So the elders refers to mature believers. We, that, that's why we have chapter 10. Don't read it now. But it's a whole chapter of, of things that led up to and then begins to tell you about, and all of chapter 11 is about how a lot of elders, believers, how when they operated in faith, the, the things that they needed began to happen, even though when they started, they didn't have it. Because faith provided the substance, even though initially they couldn't see it. Are you with me? Now, if I make your brain hurt, I'm I'm hoping I do a little bit. I I want you to think. Because I want to show you verse 3, which is really where we're going. Through faith, we understand. Now, we could stop right there before we even say anything else. Faith will help you understand a lot of things that you can't understand with your brain. The reason intellectual people, that people call themselves intellectualists, the reason they have problems with with, uh, God and they have problems with uh, church or even the Bible is because it doesn't make sense to them. It doesn't, they, you know, how how does that, okay, but you see, here's your problem. You're actually, you think that you see more than others, but you're actually limited in what you see. Your understanding is limited to whatever you can see with your your senses. You have no other ability to understand anything other than what is discernible by your senses. However, faith is a whole other realm. It's a whole other realm. By By faith, you can understand a lot of things that you can't understand with your brain. Faith has answered a lot of questions in my life that I could never find in a science book or a math book or an English book or a history book. Amen. But we're going to go somewhere else here. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. Now listen to this. By the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Uh, Did you hear that? So what you see... Actually, the origination of anything you can see started with something you could not see. Now, what was it? Well, we say faith, okay? That's true because it's based on faith. But let's take, let's take, let's take four words out of this passage, really important. The Word of God. Well, what did he mean? I mean, if you take this Bible and just lay it in a room, will it produce anything? I'm going to ask you again. If you take this Bible and lay it in a room, will it produce anything? It's just another book. I mean, how do you know that? Well, because in most hotels, although they've taken it out of some, I travel a lot, most hotels, you have a Gideon Bible and about three foot away from it, there's a lot of adultery being committed. You know, it's sitting right there in the nightstand where there's adultery committed on the bed. That book's not stopping that adultery at all. It's not changing anything in that room. When it says the worlds were framed by the word of God, what does that mean? It literally means the spoken, the, the, the voice, the vocal part of who God is is spoken out. The word of God, that's how everything was made. If you need more convincing, I love doing this. Let's go to John chapter 1. 
Let's go to John chapter 1. Now we're kind of wading into a little bit of, we're getting away from the shoreline a little bit tonight. So you're going to have to stick with me a little bit. We'll get you back in in a minute. John 1 verse 1, this is St. John, Big John. In the beginning, oh, that sounds kind of like Genesis. So we can kind of compare some verses. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Now, that's an interesting statement right there. It's capitalized, so it would be a pronoun. So we would know it would probably be a person. In this case, we would have to say that would represent Jesus, right? He was the Word, right? And we'll prove that in a minute. The same was in the beginning with God. Look at verse 3. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. But the question is, how did they make it? That's what I want to get you back to again. How, okay, then we will establish that everything that we can, that's ever been made, now a lot of it's been corrupted, a lot of it's been warped, a lot of it's in a fallen state because, but remember, even though mankind's been redeemed, those who call on the name of the Lord, this planet has fallen. The reason there are tornadoes and earthquakes and tsunamis and plagues and pandemics and all of that is we are living in a fallen planet, although we can be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, while we're here. That's why I'm thankful that the Bible says you're in the world, but you're not of it. We have dual citizenship. We have citizenship on this earth. As long as we have a body, we have citizenship on this earth. But we also have dual citizenship. We have, we have citizenship in heaven. The Bible says we already have a citizenship there. Are you hearing me? So everything on this earth, okay, so we, everything on this earth... We can, we, we can agree that God made it, Jesus being part of the Godhead, the, tril the, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that collectively Elohim, the Trinity, this was all made by them. But the question then comes back, how did they make it? Did God come down and start doing this and this and this and this and this? And, I mean, did he use a hammer? What did he do? How did God make it? Well, we know this, God made it all with words. Everything that was put in motion on this planet was put in motion by words. God said, light be, there was light. God said, let there be water, there was water. God said, divide the firmament, the firmament divided. God said, God said, God said, God said. We've, we've covered that many times in Genesis 1, how when God said it, he saw it, and when God said it, he saw it. God never saw it, and then he said it. See, we live in the realm of if we see something, we'll say it. That's not faith. God said it and he saw it. Because everything we just established in Hebrews 11 and 3, that everything that you can see was made of something that you cannot see. Anybody home tonight? Praise God. How do you think Jesus say man? I can hear your brain grinding a little. Let's look at verse 14 of John 1. We're not done there yet. Because this is going to be, this is going to be an uppercut here. And the Word, we know this is talking about Jesus, but I want to show you a principle. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, the Word, Jesus, He was the Word. He used the superpower of words to create everything. The Word was made flesh, in other words, he was made visible. 
But before he was made visible, he was the word before he was made visible. But the word became flesh. And anything you want to happen in your life, if you want it, if you want to get to where you can see it, it has to start with words. If you want it to be birthed and you want it to be conceived and birthed and visible, it has to start with words. The word has to become, and then the word will become flesh. If you want healing, you have got to talk about and speak the word of healing and the word will become flesh in your life. If you want prosperity, you've got to get to this Bible and get it out of there and extract it and say it out of your mouth and the word will become flesh. Everything that you can see was made of something you can't see, but my God, we've been given the super power of words. Now, how many of you can see that now? That puts a whole different light on this thing, doesn't it? This takes us into a whole other realm right here. Amen. Words produce what we see. Now, I want to go back for a moment and catch a couple of things. I want to go back to Matthew 12 for a minute. I want to go back there for a reason. Matthew 12, 33 through 37, Amplified Classic. Some of you need to go home tonight and just chew on what we just, what we just said there. Now, the first word you see in the Amplified Classic is a critical word in this passage. It says, either, either means you have a choice. Either make the tree, he's talking about a tree, and what it's, whether it's going to be good or bad. Either make the tree sound healthy and good, and its fruit sound healthy and good, or... Make the tree rotten, diseased, and bad. So he's telling us here, it's going to be one or the other. He's using the tree being an example of our lives. And in a minute, we're going to find out what it's tied to. We already know, of course. But he's saying, it's, only, it's going to be one of the two. Either your tree, which would represent your life, is either going to be diseased and bad, or it's going to be healthy and good. You say, well, of course, I mean, duh. Okay, but, but, but why and, and, and which is it? And are, are we just on a roulette wheel and, and when we got put down here, it just spun around and if we got a bad number, we just got a bad number and there's nothing we can do about it because a lot of people believe that. They believe that they have no control over their lives at all. They believe, well, you know, if, you know, if it weren't for any bad luck, I would have no luck at all. You know, and I'm not going to go through the old song, you know, gloom, despair, and agony on me. You know, you all know that song. But you hear people like that. Well, I guess, you know, I just got it bad. You know, I just got a curse on me. Well, now that part might be partially true, but that can be fixed too. Well, everybody in my family, you have to say everybody but me. Now listen to this. So... Verse 34, you offspring of vipers, how can you speak good things when you're evil, wicked? For out of the fullness, listen to this. So, so now, now he begins to tell you what it is that's causing you to either be healthy and good or diseased and bad. He said, it's what you're saying. 
How can you speak good things when you're evil wicked? For out of the fullness or the overflow or the superabundance, it says in the Amplified Classic, superabundance. Are you hearing that? Superpower. Superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Trust me, whatever you and whatever I have the most down inside of us is going to come out of our mouth most of the time. Now you can try for it not to happen, but it's going to come out. I saw Valerie posting a lot of things this week uh, that E.W. Kenyon wrote about confession. And he was talking about, you got, listen, you got to get this over and over. You can't get this one time. You, that, the reason that I am not in a rush or a hurry to run us through this series, and I know most of you know the basic principles. I'm not insulting your intelligence if you've been here very long. I, listen, I'm preaching some things I've never preached before. I don't know what you're hearing, but I know I'm preaching some stuff. We're going into some areas I haven't gone in. That's what you can do when you, when you have liberty to just press on ahead. I mean, we've struck one vein, but if there's one vein in this mountain, there's got to be others. Let's keep going. But notice this. The good man from his inner good treasure flings or speaks forth good things, but the evil man, and the word evil here doesn't necessarily mean an unbeliever. It doesn't necessarily mean somebody that's bad or, you know, is a criminal. It just means someone who hasn't learned to train their mouth. By the way, the Bible calls that. If you, can't, if you can't watch your mouth, the Bible relates it to being evil. Because it'll produce. Verse 36, but I tell you on the day of judgment, men will have to give account for every idle, inoperative, non-working word they speak. Notice, it says, God says, even says, this is so serious. There's coming a day that when we stand before him, he's actually going to judge us also based on our words. Now, right now, they're going to have a, a, a dominant effect on us. That's bad enough. But there's coming a time when there's even going to be a day where we're even going to be looked at. So we got to be very careful. Now, Nancy Dufresne, uh, her newsletter, I don't know how many people get it. I know I get it. We're part of a, a, a thing with her. And I don't know if she sends the same thing to everybody or not. I don't know. But I was reading her latest newsletter. Of course, we all know Nancy is just full of revelation. And she talked about how critical it is to have one confession. You cannot say one minute, my God is a healer, and the next minute go, this thing's about to kill me. Oh, I believe God's going to take care of my needs. I tell you what, I don't have any money. I tell you what, they're probably going to evict me. She talked about the criticalness of having one confession. That's what he just said here. It's either going to be diseased or bad or healthy or good, but you, you, you cannot have it both ways. James chapter 1 says a double-minded man will not receive anything of the Lord. That's the Bible. But it goes on to say in chapters 2 and 3 that out of the same fountain that should not be bitter and sweet water, you're going to have to get it all one way. Anybody home? And then she also says something I thought was outstanding. For all of us who have walked in this principle of faith or confession for any time at all in our lives, and I know a lot of you online have, a lot of you in this room have, some haven't, this is new, and I'm, I'm, I'm always excited to teach this to people who never heard it. But 
she said something else is really important. And the Bible talks about holding fast to faith. Now, Dr. Barkley uses this phrase. I offered it to you a couple of weeks ago. Are you cooling down or are you heating up for God? And you always have to be honest when that question is asked. Don't ever, don't ever try to deceive yourself. Oh, I'm still on fire, really? Because, you know, when you were on fire, I remember you to be a little bit different than you are now. I remember you to be a little bit more radical. Or me. Now, I'm not just, I'm not aiming that at any person. You know, I'm saying that in generalities, you know. But you understand what I'm saying. We all have to evaluate that. But we have to hold fast to faith, meaning we have to, when we, when we get faith, we can't afford to lose the ground that we've already worked so hard to get about faith. We've got to protect that ground. We can't surrender the progress that we've had of faith. If we've turned our confession around and we've got it right, we can't allow it to go back to just saying whatever it wants to say. Our mouth is shooting off anything it wants to shoot off. We got to be very protective. And again, I cannot say it to you enough. I, I cannot say it in enough sermons, no matter what subject I preach on. I'm pretty sure I'm going to say this till the time I'm taken to heaven. You have to take heed what you hear. Now, you, you have got to cut off a lot of the junk and the garbage and the negativity and the rage and the fury and the hatred and the anger and all of that mess. And you got to get back to, you got to, get back to being what God wants you to be. You've got to be careful. You get sucked into these things. The cares of this world. The Bible's clear about it. The cares of this world enter in and choke the word. The cares of this world. That doesn't just mean, he'd already, in, in that same passage, he already talked about the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things. Now he's talking about something different. He's talking about this, whatever's hot out there and whatever they're all buzzing about out there, we have to be careful. It, it may apply to us and we may, we may, we may want to stand for it to a degree, but we can't get sucked in because it will choke the word. Suddenly, your mouth will not be all about the word and God and my Lord and my family. I'm blessed coming in. No, you're, you're talking just like everybody else. Everything you think about, everything you say out of your mouth, every post you put on there, every kind. Every kind. Remember again, I'm going to say it to you. We're in anything that you author, whether it is spoken out of your mouth or written with your fingers, if they're your words. And if you agree and put a like on somebody else, you just put their words in your mouth. Oh, I'm going to say that again. I'm not going to let that sit there. I'm going to go there. Anytime you put a like on what someone is posting, when you put a like, you just allow them to put their words in your mouth. You got to be very particular. I am not going to allow anybody else to put words in my mouth. I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to get, I want you to get to where you agree with this because it can be deadly. Because if you look at most of those people, they're not walking in what we're talking about here. They're not giving consideration to what we're covering in these sessions. They have no mind of what we're doing right here. They're totally motivated by the world and their feelings and their emotions and, and their senses. And they are totally, it is totally, just because they throw a scripture in there doesn't make it spiritual. Mm, we, 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 we plowing, we're plowing some rocks up tonight. But you got to get those rocks out of there if you can. 
I'm telling you, I refuse to let someone else put words in my mouth. If I do agree, it's because I absolutely, that is something that I would say. I would agree with that. When I put a like on somebody, you know, I try to, you know, I'm an encourager by nature. It's what I do. It's who I am. I, I don't have to try to be an encourager. It's the personality that God has given me. And, and I suppose that's the way, you know, God's going to use me. So when I, watch, when I go online and I see people do things, I put likes on certain things. But it's always about their kids. It's all, you know, and you see me put the word awesome or yeah. Or, you know, and if it's a true statement, I'm, yeah, man, that's true. But I'm very careful. I'm just not going to put all of their words in my mouth. Because where you're coming from might not be where I'm coming from. I got to be very particular. I got to be very choosy. Amen. Now don't shout me down now. You got a little quiet on me here. Everybody online, don't, don't stop sending those little thumbs up there. Because you know, you know, get off your thumbs, praise God. Amen. Matthew 16, let's go over there. We read it, but I feel now I'm impressed I have to read this. Because I think I can show you something. But let's just hang on to some of the stuff you've heard tonight. We've made some, we've made some inroads tonight. The word's going to become flesh. Your words, and they're going to be better words, are going to become flesh. In Jesus' name. Matthew 16, once again. Now we're going to read back up a little bit. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that you're John the Baptist, some Elias, or that would be Elijah, or some would say that they think it's, you know, uh, but I believe it's Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But then he gets down to the nitty gritty here. He goes, okay, now that we got the rumor mill out of the way. I said, now that we got the rumor mill out of the way. We need to get that out of the way. He said, but whom say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, notice he said it out of his mouth. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon and Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. So he, he's saying, you, you just said something that's beyond your intellect. You, you crossed a bridge here and you have said something that is beyond what you could reason with your mind. As a matter of fact, we've seen Peter fight him on this more than once. But for this moment, Peter gets out of the flesh, out of what he sees, and he says something out of the spirit. Are you listening to me? And let me show you what it triggers when Peter says the right thing. Let me show you what happens. Jesus said, well then, notice he didn't say this to the other disciples. Notice he didn't say this to anybody else, but to Peter, who said the right thing out of his mouth. I say unto you, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give unto you, he's talking specifically to Peter here, the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth should be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth should be loosed in heaven. When Peter said the right thing, he got 
the power to bound and loose with his mouth. As long as we are saying the right thing, we have the power to bind and loose on this earth. Did you catch that? See how big that is? That's why it's critical for us. It's like, it's like another aspect of the superpower we already possess. Now we get another little feature that goes with it. And this feature is as long as we are saying the right thing, then God gives us this ability to bind and loose while we're on the earth. And God says, by the way, I'll have heaven back this up. Are you hearing me? Can you see this now? Is this getting clearer to you? I mean, you know, I'm, I have four pages of notes. We're on page one, but it's all good, isn't it? I mean, because we we're not in a hurry. We're going to keep plowing the ground here, man. We are, as I've said all through this, we're, we're you know, we're pounding the rock, praise God. We're, we're, we're getting somewhere. Now, as I close, I just, I, got, I have to get this to you one more time. This will not work for you if you don't practice it. You can't just gather this information and go back and keep talking the way you've been talking. Now you can. Oh, I mean, I'm not saying you couldn't. You could. And you will if you don't intentionally make a decision not to. And even though you may trip yourself up a few times, you can finally train yourself to where you quit saying the wrong thing and you say the right thing I don't know about you but I don't want to lose the superpower and remember this superpower is so powerful it can actually work against you so I certainly don't want that aspect of it that's the one thing about it it can actually destroy you as well as help you so you got to be very careful that you don't go the wrong way with it but now we're learning if we walk and we choose the words correctly, we also get this other advantage here of binding and loosing. So when you leave here tonight, you're going into a world that, that is completely unhinged. It's completely unhinged. They, are, they spew out anything they think at any time. They don't, they're reckless with everything they say. They just put it all out there and they don't care and they don't know what we're talking They don't believe what we're saying. They have, I, so you're going to have to really be determined and really make a decision. I am changing my words. And as I said to you the last few sessions, you, gotta, you, gotta give God, you have to speak to God and the Holy Spirit. Please correct me. If I say anything that's destructive about my life or those around me, Father, correct me on the spot. Don't wait till I get home. I, I want you to embarrass me if I'm in public so that you, you interrupt me so I have to do something then. That's how determined you have to get. Now, most people will not do it. I'd love to tell you that, that the percentages of the people who hear this message embrace it and run with it and they change their lives forever. But the truth is most people won't put in the... Because it's a little bit of work involved here. It feels... It's so much easier just to say whatever you feel. So much easier just to say whatever runs through your brain. So much easier just to go with the herd. When the herd's going this way, you're just going along with it. It's so much easier than you're trying to... You know, but back again, it's so much easier just to go along with everybody else. 
But I'm telling you in the long run, man, it is so much better to go this way right here. What I'm, what I'm preaching to you is absolutely life-altering. It is life-altering. You, you ought to watch what you say over your health, over your money, over your family, over your, your business, if you're a business owner, over your... We certainly ought to watch what we say over our country. We're all disgusted with a lot of stuff right now, and some of it is totally disgusting. But we still have to be careful that we don't shut God out of it because he's the only one that can fix it. We've got to invite him in and, and ask for him to intervene because it's going to take him to solve these issues on this, in this planet. We need the word to become flesh. been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.